The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Glorious. And actually, this is one of those cool weeks where what the kids are learning in the back is going to be the same as what us big adults and munchkins are going to be learning up front, uh, talking about how we are uniquely gifted and uh, touched by God. Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me uh, as we dive into Ephesians today. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. You're a God who has a plan. Lord, as we continue to unpack what that plan is in Ephesians, uh, this letter that was written to our spiritual ancestors in Ephesus, Uh, some 2,000 years ago. Lord, we pray that we have your eyes and your ears to see what role we each have in that plan. Lord, that we see as a congregation, as a local body of Christ, how we can be a part of what you are doing here in North Austin and beyond. Father, Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are in the middle of a sermon series going through the entire book of Ephesians. We are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, week by week, through the entire book. And what's unique is it's not just here at this Axe Church, but Axe Lakeway, our mother congregation, Axe Lake Line, our daughter congregation, and Axe Kyle, our cousin. We're all going through Ephesians together. And so if you want, you can get a second, a third, or a fourth take each week on each chapter. So if you're wondering how God is speaking to Axe Lake Line or Axe Lake Way, we're going to be sending out those podcasts every week. So you can take a peek and like, oh, I didn't catch that. Josh didn't really emphasize this. But here at Axe Leander, we went through chapter one. We said it talks about how God has a plan. And actually, it says that before you were born, before God created anything, before he said, let there be light, he had a role for you in his plan. Then we looked at chapter 2 in Ephesus, and he says, hey, not only does God have a plan, but you don't have to work for this plan. You don't have to find a way to scale the walls of heaven. In fact, heaven will come to earth. He says, it is by grace you have been saved. And we've been talking about how that word grace, charos, actually means divine favor. Paul tells the early church, Paul tells this church, you have God's divine favor through Christ, but you are given it for a purpose, to do these good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. And then in chapter 3, he starts to unpack what those good works are. And it talks about how the heartbeat of Christianity is forgiveness and reconciliation, 
How because God forgave us and reconciled us to him, he then sends us out and our superpower as Christians, what makes us distinct from any other group, any other religion, any other culture, is that we are empowered by God's forgiveness. Because he forgives us, we forgive others. And because he reconnected us to ourselves, he says, I want you to reconnect to everyone else. And we've been talking about how we live in a very disconnected world. Right? We have different tribes, we have different people, and it's constantly us versus them. Today, in Ephesians chapter 4, it's going to get really practical. It's one of those chapters in the Bible where if you're ever wondering, what do I do this week? How do I live today? How do I get more in line? Paul is going to get super practical. The other thing I would mention is not only have we been reading through Ephesians, but we've also got these Ephesians journals that we've been handing out. And you can take notes in them, you can circle stuff. If you haven't gotten one of those, we've got some more in the back, uh, and we'd happily give you one of those as well, just as a tool and a resource to read through this book. But we're going to dive in, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and following. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Now this is important, because sometimes when we talk about God's plan, and Ephesians is all about God's plan, Right? You wouldn't think that Paul, who's literally a prisoner, he's not talking metaphorically here. He is in prison, in jail for the gospel, and he's still a part of God's plan. He says, urge you, the church, urge you, Jesus followers, urge you, Acts Church Leander, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He says, you were called to something. You have the privilege to something. And he says, this is what it is. He says, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul writes to the church in his first exhortation, his first challenge is to live by humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, these are not values that we in modern society celebrate. We do not celebrate humility, right? We celebrate how many likes can I get on a Facebook post, right? We celebrate how can I make my name greater, my business greater? How can more people know what I have accomplished? That is how we celebrate in modern today's. But he says, no, 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 it's humility. It's actually not thinking more or less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself Less. Thinking about your own needs less than you think about others. Humility. He talks about gentleness. Again, this is not something that we are naturally celebrating in today's culture. Right? It's whoever can be the loudest, whoever can be the most flamboyant, the most extra. Right? Gentleness is not what we celebrate. And Paul says, but guys, gentleness is what you are called to. And patience, again, this is not something that comes natural to us. Right? We want what we want, and we want it now. We want that instant gratification, that instant satisfaction. And yet, so often, those things that give us that instant hit, whatever it is, whether it's something that we click on, whether it's something that we drink, whether it's something that we eat, whatever that thing is, it never satisfies us. It leaves us empty. And Paul says, guys, God has something better for you. 
And as we work through what does God want us to do on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment rhythm, humility, gentleness, and patience is one of the ways that we're going to frame it today because it's going to help us figure out, well, what do I do in this situation or what do I do in that situation? All right, so he starts off with this. And he goes, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. There's a lot of oneness there, right? I mean, he hits it again and again and again. And he's talking about all the different aspects of church, right? There is one body. He's talking about the body of Christ, the church. There's only one of them. One spirit, one hope, one gospel, one Lord Jesus, one faith one baptism, one God, and one Father. Paul writes that every aspect of your spirituality, every aspect of Christianity, is driving you towards unity together. We talk a lot about how sin, all it knows how to do is divide things. All it knows how to do is separate things. It just rips apart relationships. And so it rips apart our relationship with God. It rips apart our relationships with our spouses and with our children and with our family and with our neighbors. It rips apart our relationship with the world. Ironically, it actually rips apart our relationship with ourselves. We can't even relate to ourselves because of sin, because the things that we see in the mirror, we're like, that's not okay. And so we play pretend. And yet what we see in Christianity is a Jesus and a God who says, no, I don't want you to be ripped apart anymore. I want to start putting all the pieces back together. I want to start putting communities back together. I want to have one father, one family to be moving in the same direction. He says, you are built to be unified. And when we talk about what is the plan of God, it is unity. It's saying we don't have to be at war anymore. It doesn't have to be us versus them. It actually gets to be us for them so that they can be a part of us. He goes on. He says, but grace, and again, grace, but divine favor, chaos, was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And as saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, to the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. He's saying, hey, Jesus came, he descended to earth. God showed up, the incarnate God this God of love and beauty and light and forgiveness and reconciliation, he comes down, he does his work, he dies on the cross, and then he starts handing out gifts. He starts handing out grace, and he says to each one of us, so yes, we are united, but each and every one of you is uniquely designed and gifted by God. We are all unique. There's only one of each of us in our family, in our community, at our workplace. And he gave you unique gifts. It might be you're an educator and you're able to communicate truth. It could be you're a builder and you use your hands and you're able to be a blessing through that. It could be through your voice. It could be through your technical skills. It could be you're amazing at hosting people. 
You have the gift of hospitality, and you can invite others into your home. And you go into some people's homes, and you know, you just feel at peace. You feel at rest. You feel fed that universal love language of food, right? Paul says, all of you were uniquely gifted, and all of you have unique divine favor, unique grace that God is pouring into your life. So yes, we are united. But unity does not mean conformity. Unity does not mean that there is one carbon copy that God is trying to do the cookie cutter. You're going to look the same, and you're going to look the same, and you're going to look the same, and you're going to look the same. No. We have a God of life, a God of beauty, a God of strength, right? So we're uniquely gifted. But he goes on to explain what those gifts are to be used for. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, a.k.a. those in ministry, right? The pastors, the DCEs, the children's ministers, right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And this is huge here because he doesn't say he created all of these church workers to do all the work, right? He doesn't say we're going to pay one guy to be the Christian representative for our entire church, Sometimes pastors act that way. Sometimes churches act that way. They're like, oh, no, pastor, you're the one who's supposed to talk about Jesus. That's why we pay you. That's not what it says here. In fact, it says the opposite. He says, we're going to raise up leaders in the church to equip, to send out the saints, the children of God, for the work of ministry, to be little Jesus incarnates in your school, to be little in Jesus incarnates when you go to work or to a family reunion or a neighborhood block party. For the building up of the body of Christ until, and again, he says it again, we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ so that the church would fully reflect Jesus. So that when you see a church You don't actually see the people of the church. You just see Jesus coming out. And you you see that in people sometimes. You see that in organizations sometimes, right? Where you look and you're like, oh my gosh. This is so much beyond this group of people. The amount of love that they have. The heart that they have. For me, when I was deliberating the call to come to Axe Leander a couple years ago, I saw a reflection of Jesus in acts of love. I didn't know anything else about the church. All I knew was that the church had found out that high school moms in the school district didn't have a place to bring their babies, and so they were dropping out. And so the church raised their hand and said, that's a problem, we'll lean in, we'll start an absolutely free daycare for these moms. That was a part of the fullness of Christ. At that moment, I did not see Acts Church Leander, I saw Jesus, and I'm like, they got one question right. I don't know anything else about them, but that was the right response. We'll lean in. We'll step up. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and its deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, the Christ. He says, we no longer have to go back to that broken way of thinking, that broken way of living, because we're going to grow into him that we're connected to this Jesus guy. For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Paul starts off by saying we are united. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one team Jesus. But he says, but not only are you united, but you are uniquely gifted. But then he explains why you are gifted. And he says, we are gifted to be a gift. We're blessed to be a blessing to those around us. And again, this is countercultural because if you listen to the advice of the day, the modern culture, if you have a gift, it's for your own purposes. Man, you're good at this type of software? Make as much money as you can. You deserve it. Oh, you're good at this type of art? It's all about you. Make your name as great as possible. Where Paul, he turns on his head, he goes, no, you were gifted, you were designed to be a blessing to those around you. God gave you those gifts, whatever it is, whether it's your job, whether it's your abilities, whether it's your background. He says, I gave you that to be a blessing. I gave you these gifts that you might go and turn and bring out the best in the community that I put you in. Because that's the plan. He goes, I'm going to shower my divine favor on you so that you may turn and pour out that love into your community, into the body of Christ, in everything that that body is doing locally, incarnately, in a space. So what does that mean for us in North Austin? Well, it means that God, every single person in this room, was uniquely gifted but for a purpose. And it's bigger than our social media accounts. It's bigger than how big of a mortgage we can get or what kind of car we can drive or how good our family's doing. He says, no, you were given these gifts to bring out the best in this community, in this unity. And that also means that we're actually incomplete without you. That our body of Christ, without you, is not as beautiful as God intended it to be. It's not as strong. It's not as able without you. You're uniquely placed, uniquely gifted, and uniquely planned to be a part of what God is doing in your local community and through your local church. We literally need you. He goes on. And now he starts contrasting, this is the practical stuff, how the world is going to tell you to live and how God is going to tell you to live. He says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The Gentiles were those who weren't following God. The world, right? Just the regular world. He goes, there's futility in their thinking. They've darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every practice and every kind of impurity. He says, the longer you spend in the world, the harder your heart's going to get the more time you act out of impatience, the more that you act out of your own greed or your own whatever that thing is, it never stops. It's a progressive illness. And so sometimes we think, well, this is just a one-time thing, but it's one more step and your heart gets hardened 
It gets calloused, and it actually gets harder to go back because that's the way of the world. It'll tell you, no, this time you will really feel satisfied, but you won't. It leaves you empty. It leaves all of us empty. But then he contrasts that with the way of Christ. He goes, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires, right? So he says, we've, in Christ, we don't have to go back to that anymore. That old way, that hardened heart way, that progressive illness way. But to be renewed by the spirit of your minds. And that word renewed is that same derivative to be, to be renovated. Same way that you would use to renovate a house, right? You would go in and you're like, oh man, there's some work that needs to be done here. Right? In all of our minds, there's some work that needs to be done. And Paul says that God, by the spirit, wants to do that. And to put on a new self that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, you don't got to go back to this way. There's a new way forward. And as I was trying to figure out, what would be the best way to describe these two parallel paths? There were two words that came to mind. Devour and nurture. You see, the way of the world, the way of ourselves left to our own devices, will devour everything it can get its hands on, right? Whether it's lust, whether it is eating, whether it's jobs, whatever it is, it's all about me, and I want to get as much as I can. And I am going to devour it, and that hole will never be satisfied. But the way of Christ, it's not about devouring It's about nurturing. It's about bringing out the best in the community that God has placed you. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? Everywhere he went, things got better. That's what it means to be like Christ. That's what holiness and righteousness looks like. It's not about showing up to church on Sunday morning. It's not about people knowing that you are a quote-unquote good person. It's about reflecting Jesus, living like Jesus, nurturing whoever he brings into your life, using those gifts, using those blessings to be a blessing. And so as he now goes for the rest of the chapter, be looking at it through the lens of, is this going to help me devour something or is this going to help me nurture something? Is this going to help me devour someone or is this going to help me nurture someone? And that contrast is where Paul is driving home. He says, therefore, put away all, all, all falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Right? Put away falsehood. Devour. Speak truth. Nurture. It's actually okay to be anger, but don't be angry indefinitely. Because what we see is holding that type of resentment, holding on to that anger, not letting go, grasping it, demanding that it's your right, that this person hurt you, and so you are obligated to hate them, 
It becomes toxic to relationships. It becomes toxic to unity. And that is the plan that God is driving towards. And so he says, guys, if you keep holding on to that anger, if you keep holding on to that resentment, it is going to break down relationships. It's not going to nurture relationships. He goes on and he says, let the thief steal no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Let the thief no longer devour, but work. And why do we work? So that we can be better equipped to share so that we can be better equipped to nurture and to use those gifts, to use those blessings, to use that divine favor that God has given us to nurture the community that he's put us in. Again, this compare and contrast, this old way of thinking that's all about our own individual guy in the mirror, to know now it's about this community that I'm looking out at and I want to bring out the best in them. And what's beautiful about this is when you live that way and the community you're living in is living that way, you know what happens? Instead of one person looking out for you, the person in the mirror, you have an entire community that's looking at you the same way. Their job is to bring out the best in you. Their job is to be a blessing to you. Their job is to care for you and to nurture you. And so now it's not just one person who's trying to take care of me, but I've got an entire community, an entire family that's saying, I want to bring out the best in you. I want to believe in you. I want to champion you. I want to advocate for you. When we live in the way that God wants, we actually have more people looking out for us. It's not just about our own life. It's about what God is doing and the community that he's bringing in. And he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Don't let anything out of your mouth that is going to devour. But instead, only as is good for building up, to nurture. As fits the occasion that it may give grace, divine favor to whoever hears it. We are not very good at building up people. Certainly not online, right? But we're also not very good at it when we're sitting around a kitchen table or we go to a family reunion or we're at a workplace and there's an opportunity for us to look better by someone else's failure or mistakes. Or we're at school and there's an opportunity for us to look down on someone else to use them at our own expense. He says, no, guys, it's not about that. He says, what is good for building up? And I love how he connects grace to it. That when you speak life into people, when you nurture them, that's part of how God gives that grace, that divine favor to them. Who he's doing, who our God is, what he's doing. Then he finishes and he says, So do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
he ends his exhortation in uh, chapter 4 by saying, you don't have to go back to that other way. That broken way. That way that leaves you always looking for the next fix, always looking for the next hit. And he connects it to us in Jesus. He says, be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other as Jesus forgave you. Because again, going back to chapter 2, none of us worked our way into unity. None of us were on the kickball selection. Remember good old kickball days? Where you go and you'd say, yes, I want them on my team, I want them on my team, I want them on my team. None of us were the first picked. Quite frankly, none of us would have even been the last picked. Instead, it was a Jesus who came down and says, even when you're in active rebellion, even when you are screaming and fighting and devouring and ripping yourself away from God, he goes, I am going to open my arms. I'm going to say, this is how much I love you. I'll die for you. That you may be forgiven and reconciled. And Paul says, if you want to live this life that you're able to nurture those who he brings in your life, it starts and is maintained by the forgiveness that we each receive in Christ. That's why we build into our rhythm as a church a time of confession where we're just admitting to God we're broken still. That yes, I may know who Jesus is. Yes, I may have his spirit. But every day, I am wrestling with that old man, with that old nature that wants to devour everything it can get its hands on. And so we again come before God and say, I need a savior. I need someone to forgive me. I need that heartbeat of forgiveness again in my life that I might go and be an agent of forgiveness and reconciliation. Paul ties our life in Christ and how we live a Christian life into saying, remember you are forgiven. Actively, daily. And that will then motivate you. That will then inspire you. That will then empower you to be that agent of forgiveness and reconciliation that every place they go is nurtured. Every relationship, every word they speak brings out the best and speaks life into, builds up those who God puts in our life. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to go into a time of reflection. And then from that time of reflection, we're going to go into a time of confession and just be honest with God that we are broken and that we need that forgiveness. And then we see a God who shows up in the Lord's Supper, who says, you want to know how far I will go to have a relationship with you? This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. I ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. You are a God who fights for us even when we are rebellious little children screaming and throwing temper tantrums. You're a God who even when we were devouring one another, you sacrificed for us that we would be nurtured, that life would spring eternal inside of us. Lord, you are a God who constantly is calling us to use the gifts and the blessing and the divine favor that you grant each of us to be blessings and grace to those you bring into our lives. Lord, we pray for that reflection as we leave here today. We pray for that reflection 
uh, in every moment, every breath. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.